0: and when you check out make sure that you plug in and type in dry creek all one word for a 10 percent discount good morning Dwayne here dry creek wrangler school when i was a little kid we lived in in kentucky we lived in other places but we lived in a kentucky a lot and we used to go visit my grandparents here in kentucky um And, uh, my, my mom's parents and my dad's parents, they only lived about 12 miles apart. So we could visit both sets of parents and grandparents right there. And so on the farm, both of them lived on farm, just a little small, uh, Kentucky farms there. And my dad's mom, granny, we called her granny. My granny would get, um, layer eggs, and uh, have them in the living room, and she'd have a big cardboard box with shavings in the bottom, and a heat lamp, and I think, I think it started out, you know, she'd have like an incubator, but she'd have the eggs, uh, so she'd get an early start on hatching out chickens, and we'd come through the living room, and uh, you, you remember it's just a large, spacious living room, and and a linoleum floor, and and uh, we'd come through and check those eggs, and we'd check the eggs, and after a while, one would start moving a little bit, and you look, and there'd be a little flake would start, and that first little baby chick would start finding its way out. Well, there was a there was a hard and fast rule, when they started hatching, you didn't touch them, and uh, and it was hard not to touch them. You wanted, to, uh, you wanted to reach out and just take a fingernail because it's struggling. You know, it's cracking it and struggling. It'd take a while. It'd take, it'd take quite a while for that chick to make it out. And you want to flick that little shell back and just kind of help and, and kind of help, but it was hard and fast. You, you didn't do that. Um, you uh, You let it make its way out. Because if you helped that baby chick out of the egg, it would die. It wouldn't survive the struggle to get out of the egg, um, is what got its blood flowing. It's what got its muscles working. It's what it, it would have the strength then to continue on. But if you peeled the egg away for it, away from it, for it, uh, it'd likely just die. Um, kind of the same idea just before we left Bandera on the ranch down there, there was a There was a paint mare that had come in, and the fellow who was riding that paint mare, he said, he told me one day, he said, man, I've got to figure something else about her feed. Uh, She just fat. She just keeps getting fatter, big old belly, and I keep cutting her feed down. And I looked at her and checked a couple things. I said, have you had her preg tested? And he looked at me kind of shocked, and I said, also, I don't think she's fat. I think she's pregnant. They had got her in off of another deal, like just seven months before. Gestation period on a horse is eleven months, and he said I had didn't even think about that. Well, they had a vet out. He checked her, and sure enough, she was pregnant. So they put her in a separate pen, and and uh, and then one one morning, one day we went out there, and there was a brand new baby. It just just hit the ground. And he didn't get up. Of course, everybody come flocking out and uh, everybody's wanting him to get up and and he didn't get up. And he still had some after some uh, birthing sack around his back legs and stuff. And they're like, we should go in and help him. I'm like, no, you don't help him. You leave him be. And his mama would come over and she would lick him and lick and lick. And that gets the blood circulating. Okay. That, that actually is natural and that helps. And She'd nudge him and push him, and he'd get up a little bit and fall over and hit the ground, fall, land on his nose. And some of them were like, we we should help him. I'm like, no, you don't help him. You leave him be. And it was probably a couple hours around there. And he finally got up, standing there shaking, you know, and wobbling and weaving. But after a little bit, and, and it wasn't no time, and he was just, uh, just bouncing and hopping and bucking and kicking and running around there just two or three days, and he was just – uh, just like most stud colts, he was just the healthiest, obnoxious little fart you ever seen. Uh, he didn't need any help. Helping, sometimes helping is the biggest detriment you can do to somebody. Sometimes one of the hardest things to learn growing up is to know when to help somebody and uh, when to just let them hit the wall. Uh, sometimes helping people isn't, it's not helping them. Sometimes kindness, gentleness, support is the worst thing that a person can have. Uh, we, we gotta, we gotta ask ourselves, am I helping this person? Am I trying to help this person or this animal? Uh, because they need the help. Or am I trying to help them because it makes me feel bad to see the struggle? So therefore, I'm helping them, not to help them. I'm helping them to help me. Um, we were, we were, Deanna and I and the kids. We had when we went over there. We had three children. Uh, we went to Papua New Guinea to teach for a couple of years. Uh, in between, I had been ranching cowboying on a ranch in Colorado and uh and then we wound up we moved to Texas and uh, it's just a long story and I don't want to go into it but they asked us they needed somebody to go up there and, and help out and uh and so we went I've mentioned this briefly before so he's up there and I think Holly our little girl she was like four years old and we were in the highlands the Highland jungles up uh out of madang the city called Madang and we were in a we were in a bush house and uh so the house was built upon stilts up there and we were in a little village of about 90 people and uh Holly had gotten into this thing like a lot of toddlers and children do um if she fell down she'd come bawling her eyes out running to mama anything happened, she would just come running to mama, and just, just her eyes closed, and her mouth wide open, just coming across the yard, just bawling for mama, and she got a point when she'd get upset, she'd hold her breath, and pass out, and you know, a couple times, I'd have to catch her, get, come behind her, and catch her, you know, before she hit the ground, and uh, of course, the body, you know, when her mind shut down, and her emotions, her little blonde brain shut down, her body says, all right, I can breathe again, Uh, and so she was fine, it's, that's not an unusual thing, so one day, she's out playing out there with the kids, and somebody did something, or she, they were kicking a soccer ball, and she tripped, or I don't remember what it was, and I heard her, I think she was four, and I heard her, ah, and here she come, and I went to the door, and she had little elbows out, and she's wiggle wagging, and across there, trotting it long, trying to go find mama, because she, she had been she had been offended, so I stood there on the porch and I hollered out at her. I said, "Holly, Holly, Holly!" And finally, it broke through, and she stopped. I said, "Are you dying? Uh, uh, no, no. You need to go to the hospital. Uh, uh, no. I said, "Do we need to call in a medevac? Now we lived. It took." Um, probably an hour to get up to the main trailhead through the bush. And then from there you hike down off the mountain to a grass strip, got a little bush plane and then took the bush plane in the mountain. And I hadn't medevac people out of there before. So she knew what I was talking about. She knew about bringing in a medevac bush plane and whatnot. And she's like, uh, no. I said, do we need a helicopter? I can bring a helicopter and land right here. Do you need that? Uh, uh no, no. I said, do we need to put you on a stretcher and carry you out? Uh, uh, no I said do you having a heart attack she she thought she's like I don't know what that is but I don't think I know are you having a stroke no and you could see her her brain started working so she started I said do you have diabetes no uh, do you do you have prostate trouble and she's like oh, I, know, I know I don't know And I just, I went on, you got smallpox? No. You got polio? Daddy. I said, then what are you crying about? Go play. And she just turned around and trotted off and went to play. She did not get the attention. That's what it was all about. It was all about attention. And so if she's not going to get the attention that she was looking for, then there wasn't no point. And when we left New Guinea and came back, we came back to Kansas. And that's, you heard me talk about Tony Smith on here quite a bit. I was at his ranch. We'd been working horses and it was up in the afternoon and we were sitting on his front porch. And by that time she was, I don't know, six or seven. And she was out playing with the boys and she had on a long tailed skirt and a pair of cowgirl boots. And they were out running. And all of a sudden, she come running around the house where I was sitting up on the porch, and she ran up there, and she said, Daddy, Daddy, look at this. And she put her foot up on the chair where I was sitting and pulled her skirt up above her knee, and she had a big road rash right there. And I said, Oh, sweetie, I said, Red Badge of Courage. That's a beauty right there. Man, the boys are going to love that. And she laughed and flicked her skirt down, turned around and ran off. And Tony said, Man, how in the world do you get your kid? I said, It's just Attention. And uh, there's there's people in life that need comfort. And there's people in life that need help. And then there's people in life that just need a swift kick in the seat of the pants. And uh, they, they just need to be told, hey, quit your belly aching. Quit your whining. Get up and go on, a lot, and that's hard, it's not easy, especially for a parent, it's hard for a parent sometimes to say, well, what, what are we going to do, you know, what, what's the best thing, you know, you, you can imagine two parents talking about a child, that's not traveling down the road of life, in a steady manner, and it's like, We've told them, and we've told them, and we've tried to help. We've done this. What are we going to do? Well, we're going to let them hit the wall. And we don't want them to hit the wall. And we want to do anything we can to keep them from hitting the wall. But they won't listen. And every time they've come running up, crying and begging through their whole life, we've put a Band-Aid on their boo-boo, and we've wiped their tears away. And now they expect it. They expect anytime they get a boo-boo, somebody's got to be there with a Mickey Mouse bandaid and uh, to and to wipe their tear away and then give them a popsicle from the fridge to make them feel better. And they expect that from life. And now they can't just cowboy up and move on. And uh, which would be our fault for letting them get to that point. Um the 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 reality of life is Sometimes you have to let someone hit the wall because that's the only way they're going to learn. That's the only way they're going to figure it out. Uh, And the reason we won't do that a lot of times is not, not because of a deep abiding concern about their well-being. And on the surface, it's there. I'm not denying it's it's there. We do care about their well-being. But the problem is we want to fix it. We want to fix it. We want to stop the wreck. We want to help them. We want to make it better. It makes us feel bad to see the bad thing fixing to happen. So if we're not careful without realizing it, we will fix something that we don't need to fix in order to make us feel better or because we don't have the courage to be the kind of parent that needs to be because other parents around us may look at us and say, man, that is an unfeeling, uncaring, unloving parent. Well, you got to set that aside. Or we we won't let it happen because we don't want our child to think bad of us. Listen, if you don't have the courage to be the bad guy with your child when it's time to be the bad guy. Sometimes you have to be the bad guy. You, they have to get me. You got to let them get mad. You got to let them get offended. You got, you got to let them hit the wall. If you never take the training wheels off the bike, the child will never learn to ride the bike. They have to take the chance of falling down and skinning up their knees, or they're not going to learn to ride the bike. And that just grows exponentially as they get older. Eventually, you got to let go. You got to let go. And it's like that with friends. It's like that with family members. It's like that with just, it's, it's humanity. It's humanity. Some people don't need help. Some people need people to stop helping them. They ain't never going to be worth a hill of beans, ain't ever going to be worth nothing until people stop helping them. I mean, we, we've got, we have a welfare society today. And if it isn't a government welfare, it's a church welfare, it's a people welfare. And some people need welfare. I'm not, some people need assistance. Okay. I'm not totally, um, but it's a lot of people don't. Uh, a lot of people, they just need to suck it up. But why will they if somebody's always going to be there to pick them up and brush them off? I fall down, four-year-old falls down, they don't even have to get up. Mama will pick them up and brush them off and give them a popsicle. Uh, and so it's to the point that people fall down and it's like, look, get up. All right, get up. And, uh, if you get up, if you still need help, I'll help you. Uh, but you know, back in the day, you know, you twist your ankle playing basketball in school and the coach says, walk it off, you know, walk it off, son, walk it off. Now, I don't know how medically sound that was, and it may not have helped, um, grow stronger ankles in life, but it, it helped grew stronger men. Now they might've been men with weak ankles, uh, but it helped grew stronger men and women. Uh, get up and walk it off. And so I'm, but I'm not talking to the people who are falling down today. I'm talking to those who are constantly there making sure um, that they're there to pull apart that egg. So that baby chick comes out of there, weak and helpless uh, and never gets the strength, never gets the fire in the blood Never gets the muscle to do what needs to be done. Uh, that person who's always running out there as soon as that new foal is born, and 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 taking a towel and brushing them off, and picking them up and standing them up. The first thing they know when they come into this world is, there's somebody gonna come out here and pick me up. Somebody's gonna come out here and pick me up. Somebody's gonna take care of me. I don't have to worry. I don't have to worry about coyotes getting me. I don't have to worry about dogs getting. Me. I don't have to worry about anything because somebody's gonna pick me up. I don't have to get up and struggle and prepare to face life. Somebody's gonna take care of it for me. And some of you got kids that from the time they were little bitty, every time they fell down and started crying, you rushed over to them. And now they're 16, 17 years old, or 26, 27 years old, and they keep falling down in life, and you keep running over there, putting a Mickey Mouse Band-Aid on their kneecap, wiping their tear away, and giving them a popsicle. And so what you've got is a 30-year-old baby who cries Anytime something in life goes sideways, and some of you, some of you are those babies, and now you're lost because now mama's gone, because eventually mamas are always gone. Mamas don't last forever, and what do you do? So you go and get a wife who's like mama. You get a wife who's constantly picking you up and brushing you off and shoving a popsicle in your mouth. And we create these monsters and these monsters destroy society and suck society dry. Okay. And it's our fault. It's our fault because we raise them. Uh, you know, they're on a ranch, you know, you, you tell somebody, you tell this kid, uh, you know, he's starting, he's learning. He's like, son, I I wouldn't wear spurs on that horse. Uh, I, I wouldn't do it. And, uh, And, but, but they, it's cowboy and they're clanking around and they get on that horse and that horse does something, makes a little jump. So they squeeze with their legs, you know, they squeeze and what happens when they squeeze their legs at, they accidentally dig them spurs inside of that horse. And that horse is, Oh no, you don't. And he puts them in the dirt. What do you do? You ride up beside and you look down and you say, did that hurt? Now get up and take them dang spurs off and get back on that horse. Now, one of two things happen. You're going to make a hand out of that kid or he's going to go home and get out of your way. But you don't create a monster. You don't create the monster. And there ain't no monster out there like a squishy baby crying monster that we created. Stop giving your kid everything. All right. Stop giving them everything. Make them work for it. Make them earn it. Uh, Make them appreciate it and make them pay. Make them pay the consequences uh, for their actions. There's going to come a time when the boss down at work. Or the policeman sitting on the side of the road. The judge that's behind the bench. He's going to be the one to teach your poor baby the reality of the consequences of decisions cause and effect because you never did. You were the source of the Mickey Mouse Band-Aid and the lollipop in the mouth. It's easier if you teach them the harsh realities of life in a controlled manner and in a controlled way with love and understanding while they're in your care than it is for them to learn it from somebody out there who don't care. They just want them to stop getting in their way and they want to stop carrying them. Okay? So, love is love. But sometimes love needs to be tough love. And so, and sometimes if it ain't tough love, it ain't love at all. All right? So, let's see what do we got here. Charter Oak, Connecticut Shade, and 6 by 60 Good, good morning, a good morning smoke here. And uh, so I hope, uh, hope you guys have a good day, and we'll catch you all next time.